Hey, welcome to BIV Today. I am reporter Tyler Orton. And obviously, we just wrapped our own provincial election here in British Columbia last week. And a U.S. election approaches just in the coming days. We saw a little bit of seesawing, at least in terms of how the 2016 election impacted markets in the short term. So maybe now it's a good time to think about what our investments might mean for the 2020 election that's just coming up. And I also think it's a good time to think about what the pandemic means for our investments. And with us today, we've got a great guest. It is Blue Shore Financial Investment Advisor, Claudio Cassani. Claudio, thanks for joining us on the show. Tyler, good morning. Thank you for having me today. Uh, fascinating topic, U.S. elections. If, yeah, I, can, uh, just, if I just quote uh, on, uh, on uh, one of the uh, baseball's uh, legends, um, Yogi Bear, where he's, uh, he said uh, a while back that the future is not what it used to be. And when he was asked to uh, provide a little bit of context as to, as to what that would be, uh, he would say, well, look, I can't tell you if it's going to be better. I can't tell you it's going to be worse, but I can tell you it is going to be different. And I think this is a fantastic segue when it comes to the U.S. elections. Uh, what's important to know is that the House and the Senate or the, the power um, struggle in between the two uh, for the Republicans, the Democrats, would certainly generate uh, interest and has, uh, would have a significant impact in, uh, in the financial markets. Let's look at a sweep on both parties. There will be a little bit of turbulence because a new government being in complete power, it's a little bit of, a, of, a, of an unknown for the markets and the markets will have to reconcile that. If we look at a split of power, uh, that is generally regarded, at least historically, as a positive for the market. And if history is any guidance, if we look back at the uh, democratic sweep, going all the way to back to the uh, Clinton and um, Obama administration, uh, two terms, very strong market performances, both in Canada and the United States. So if history guides us and provides a little bit of a lesson from 1993, as an example, to 2001 under the Clinton administration, Equally, the American market and the Canadian market posted extremely um, healthy returns. We're looking at 200% plus in the American market, and that has been coupled by uh, pretty good numbers. Uh, I think it was uh, 178% in Canada. Those are staggering returns for an eight-year term. Uh, and I think uh, equally in the Barack Obama's administration, we had significant returns, uh, more than double digits in the U.S., and 74% in Canada. Canada was a little bit of a lagger for that period of time because of the oil crisis in 2014. So certainly uh, we're looking uh, forward to the elections and the outcome of the elections. I would say for the, for the audience today that most likely an outcome that would create some short-term turbulence would be a delayed result of the elections. If we're in a situation where elections would be delayed, I think that would create some jitters in the market, at least in the short term. Well, I'm curious, how much of an influence do kind of just macroeconomic trends have on the markets versus what an administration might have? Because concurrent with that Clinton administration that you referenced, we also had kind of the dot-com bubble emerge, and we that eventually burst when we had George W. Bush come into power. That was kind of out of his control, though. And I'm just wondering what your take is on, you know, kind of these observations that we might have about markets and how well they line up with who might be in power in an administration. Absolutely. I think the, uh, the political landscape dictates policy and policy would, would affect 
the performance of the markets and specific sectors. So in a, in a big picture environment, uh, let's look at regulation. There has been a lot of talk about the antitrust and legal uh, um, uh, situations with the tech firms. Your, your top five uh, producers uh, on the S&P 500 have today so much power in terms of capitalizations that the, uh, the five of them would have the entire value of the market in 2009. And that is staggering. So if you look at Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Microsoft, and Google, these specific companies would be accounted for more than 20, 25% of the entire market in the S&P 500. So if there is a trend towards uh, regulating of, of the tech business and the antitrust sentiment continues, I think that could be affected. It is a lot friendlier on the Biden side. However, the Republicans uh, took a very different stance um, when it comes to their view of where the tech firms should be. Equally, uh, green energy sources, renewables, as well as utilities will benefit from a Biden uh, Democrat uh, win, as well as energy and banking would be favored under Republican administration. We are very keenly interested in how this will play out because it will give you a little bit of guidance as to which sectors within the specific economy would perform. And to make things even more interesting, because we are in the middle of the pandemic and the closure and the opening of the economy would also be a little bit of a barometer as to what the markets would do. So the one administration would decide, would decide to be a lot more conservative in, ter in terms of opening the, uh, the economy. That would favor the technology stocks. If the other administration would say, we'll be as responsible as possible, but return to business um, as, as quickly as we can, it, it would certainly benefit the other 495 stocks of the S&P 500. And I think that would create a very uh, positive sentiment as well. Uh, and you will find the face business, uh, face client facing businesses uh, be a lot more in play for the next uh, six to 12 months. So I think the implications are, are absolutely fascinating, both on the political policy front, but also how that would translate into corporate earnings for the individual equities that make the Canadian, US and international markets. So if I was an, an, an investor or a, you know just kind of a, a retail investor as well, is now the time to hedge my bets, make sure that I have a very diversified portfolio if I'm uncertain about how this election is going to play out? Yeah, I, I think Tyler, that's a, that's a really good point. You have to assess your portfolio in the context of the of the times that we're traversing right now. So I would say uh, the most important thing would be to uh, look at the risk and return parameters in your portfolio. Assess how much risk you're taking. Assess your asset allocation within your portfolio, and and perhaps be a little bit cautious until we receive a little bit more clear guidance from the markets and the elections moving forward. And with that in mind, if you, if you scout your, your investment portfolio, see how much you have allocated to bonds, how much cash you keep in your portfolio. That plays into the financial planning aspect of your finances. If you have, if you have a little bit more liquidity, that would certainly lend well for the future. It will offer you a little bit more buying opportunity. And if somehow the economies would close even further, it will also provide the type of cash flow that yourself, your family, your household might need. And when going one step further, if we are to, to look at opening it up for uh, diversification, see how many stocks are growth related and how many stocks are value related. For the last 10 years, growth has been the unquestionable winner. 
and the returns have been staggering. However, value at some point would return. Therefore, being diversified in between value stocks and growth stocks would give you the optimal risk return parameters. And above all, you also have to assess the cost of doing business. Look at your overall portfolio and see if you can find a little bit more efficiency in that space. Perhaps the most interesting part of an investment portfolio right now, from a money manager's perspective, and we do have, Tyler, those discussions with our clients every day uh, when we meet for their reviews and uh, outlook uh, for, their, for their money. How do we negotiate fixed income? Bonds have gone up in value, and we all would, would like to receive a little bit more income. However, uh, rates of return on term deposits and cash are almost dismal. How do we bridge the gap there? And we have gone down the path of finding some alternative fixed income investments and hedging strategies that help our clients today bridge that gap and not be fully exposed to the market. So uh, I'm going backwards maybe uh, six, seven months. I, I had said to myself, I, I don't even want to look at my portfolio for another five years. I'm uh, too frightened to do that. But um, what was the reaction initially from a lot of clients who were, were very panicked, uh, especially how the markets were initially looking, and then we saw like a, a big surge in the markets afterwards. It was kind of a, a, a big sway back and forth. But uh, how has reaction been from clients just in the last you know six months? Well, it certainly has been interesting and unprecedented time, and we expect our clients to react accordingly. There is certainly a concern uh, from the get go, and uh, and it is it is there's no there's no way to sugarcoat this. There has been a lot of fear and that's normal. The market showed it. Our clients also um, had to navigate this difficult time from, from March to April. Having said that, as soon as discussions took place about the safety of the investment portfolio, as soon as we realized that our investment portfolios are in quality uh, stocks, equities, bonds, and we have seen an unprecedented recovery, not just in the GDP numbers, as numbers came out today. We went down uh, for the second quarter as much as 31% in GDP. However, now we have a recovery of 34. We have gyrated from the, the top of the market in, in February, March to recovering, and NASDAQ being up north of 25% year to date. So I think uh, the government interventions in terms of fiscal stimulus, uh, low interest rate environment, the willingness of the entire world to participate in this, address it in a healthy way and get everybody back on track as quickly as possible has calmed down the jitters, allowed our investors and clients to take a step back and assess, stay invested and be able to benefit in terms of returns in, in, in the equity markets and the bond market. As a matter of fact, if you look at the majority of clients, they would most likely be in the break even or positive rate of return if they had the patient to uh, obviously navigate the uncertainty of February as we look at and we close the year here moving towards November and December. But are there any concerns that, you know, the stock market might not be the best barometer of the underlying health of the economy, especially when you look at, say, where unemployment is here in Canada, you look at some of the GDP numbers here in Canada, and it seems sometimes that the stock market is a little bit detached from what's going on 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 the ground, really. Yeah, it is uh, probably the most um, interesting observation. And I think uh, our clients uh, would share that view with you. Uh, I am certainly uh, in the camp that the stock market represents an exclusive number of companies. So let's, let's look at TSX 300 or S&P 500. These are businesses uh, for their majority 
uh, with a very strong balance sheet, able to uh, withstand a whole bunch of, uh, of turbulence, and some of them in sectors and parts of the economy that are flourishing. So we are right now in an environment where part of the economy is accelerating uh, and the other the others is in a stall mode. You would It's almost like driving a car with an accelerator and a brake at the same time. And I think the stock market is represent, representing a little bit more of a representative of the accelerator than the hundreds of thousands of businesses that have been negatively impacted. These small businesses, to just give you an example, uh, had a very tough time in this pandemic uh, environment. And let's say at the same time, Amazon, uh, a very strong bellwether for the S&P 500 and the tech market has been able to capture a lot of market share. And in the United States, uh, in the States of America right now, amounts for about 48% of the e-commerce in the entire country. So there will be uh, this sort of K-shaped recovery, most likely, where certain sectors would do well and others wouldn't. And there's many parts of the economy that fall under the um, more troubled businesses uh, uh, part of the economy, where they're not necessarily captured by the equity markets, but we see them day in and day out on the ground. And they're generally small businesses. They're in sectors such as energy, uh, hospitality, travel, and so on and so forth. And those not they don't have their representation in terms of proportion into the TSX or the S&P 500. So that's the reason for the disconnect, in my opinion. Okay. And well, you, you bring up uh, some companies like uh, you know uh, hospitality industry probably. Uh, great if you did not have a lot of your money tied up in, say, those kinds of companies. But have there been kind of winning strategies that you've noticed just in the last couple of months as the pandemic has unfolded for a lot of people that have not been as hit hard by the pandemic as maybe they were expecting early on? Yeah, it, 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 is, uh, it is true. Uh, the um, Most businesses in Canada, United States, around the globe had to, had to adapt. And we found that uh, as earnings came in from both the United States and, uh, and, and the Canadian uh, counterpart um, stock market, we have uh, seen, for instance, 85% of the, of the companies on the S&P 500 uh, beating earnings, at least the expected earnings that the analysts have, uh, have projected. So that is a positive. That shows that uh, they have done a lot of work trying to retool their business. In terms of, uh, of, of hospitality and, and foods and beverages, I'll give an example quickly. Uh, Domino Pizza, I mean, this is a client-facing business. However, they decided to ramp up their online business and e-commerce uh, to be able to, to cope with the, with the reality. Uh, I think this is going to be a race for um, embracing technology and finding a way to run your business outside of the conventional uh, parameters. And, and businesses and companies that manage to execute that correctly in a very short time span would emerge as the, the winners, and they may even uh, capture a little bit more market share. So we expect the results to vary across uh, most industries. Uh, I do feel for all industries that are troubled by uh, by the social and physical distancing rules, uh, those business models have to be revamped and revisited, uh, and it will take a while. And uh, I'm reasonably optimistic that we'll receive a, a fiscal package, uh, one may, may be coming right away, but uh, at the beginning of the year, both the central banks in Canada and U.S. have committed to stimulating the economy further. So the environment will be friendly. However, we'll have to certainly navigate the day-to-day -day turbulence and get there uh, in the years to come.
Well, maybe I'll leave you off with this question. Uh, go back to where we started thinking about the, 20, uh, the 2020 election that's going to be coming up. If people are noticing um, some uh, immediate reactions within the markets, some short-term impacts, should they just stay calm? Is this more of a long-term play that they should be aware of, just looking at where the stock market eventually goes, which is upwards, just on a long enough scale? Exactly. I, I think we have to be mindful of the long term trend of the market, and that has always been upwards. Regardless of politics and policies, market has a bias to, to move up and businesses would eventually flourish. There will be opportunity. There will be a little bit of division in between various asset classes. But if I can go back to what clients should do, they should revisit their investment plan, as you pointed out, Tyler. They should look back and, uh, and revisit their finances and make sure that they're uh, adequately protected from a budget standpoint, uh, have adequate amount of savings, make sure that you have the, that cashable term deposit or line of credit, perhaps restructure your, your, your debt to a lower uh, rate of, uh, of, of payment uh, from credit card to using a specific line of credit or, or, or lending facility, uh, save a lot more money. Um, and we have noticed that, we noticed from our clients that um, in, in the current environment, we have not taken that holiday, we have not had a lot of discretionary expenses, so our savings are piling up. All those are great things, and, and they will give us the confidence to stay the course, be invested in the market, and be opportunistic. I think that's, that's perhaps the best uh, advice that I could give someone who would take on the, uh, uh, the election cycle and the outcome of it. And above all, uh, with very few exceptions, perhaps the uh, last administration being the large exception, markets tend to have a bit of a dip and turbulence going into a new um, uh, governance. It is normal. We have to find out what, uh, what the new administration would require. So if you do see uh, such drop in the market, if you do see uh, things cooling off, it could also be an opportunity to deploy your capital, specifically if you're a long-term a client with long-term goals. Uh, at the end of the day, equities and the financial markets are an incredibly uh, well-positioned instrument to benefit for the next decade, led by a secular trend in technology, uh, genomics, uh, renewable energy, and so on and so forth. So we have tremendous growth opportunity for the years to come. Okay, well, I'll have my eyes on the election results uh, this coming week, uh, and I'll have my eyes on the markets the next morning as well. Uh, as you, you mentioned it earlier on, it might actually be a while for us to get a definitive answer of what the election results are going to be. So I think we all have to be patient. But until then, um, Claudio, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Tyler, thank you so much for the opportunity. I appreciate it very much and have a fantastic day. Excellent. Thank you. That is Blue Shore Financial Investment Advisor, Claudio Cassani. And that is it for the show today. But you can go to BIV.com. More interviews there, more stories there as well. In the meantime, we will be back next week. Thank you very much.